0: And uh, we we'll live with him forever and ever. And so we have these, uh, I just want to summarize uh, the difference between the child of God and son of God. I think I confused a couple people last week or two weeks ago. Uh, we are both, if you're a child of, if you've been saved, you are both a child of God and a son of God. Now, sometimes we don't feel like we're all children of God. And sometimes there's children of God that don't grow up and uh, spiritually mature, and we'll touch on that here in a few minutes here. But uh, we are all sons of God. Sometimes we don't feel like we're sons of God. Sometimes we don't act like sons of God. Sometimes we don't mature like a son of God matures, and there's an adoption to wit, the redemption of the body that's yet to take place when we realize it was worth it all to serve the Lord, and we are not only children of God, but we are sons of God, and the heir to the throne, and the joint heirs to Jesus Christ, and Again, we looked at that last week, and so so we see verses 1 through 7, Paul is looking at their adoption, these sons of liberty, but here, the the, the balance of our time now tonight, and I guess I can start to slow down, hopefully, look at uh, letter B on the worksheet, lamenting their regression, lamenting their regression, just because we're saved, just because we Our sons of God, retroactively, that God positionally has put us in this position. Sometimes we don't act like sons of God. Sometimes we act like little children. Sometimes, again, we don't grow up. Sometimes we go back into the idea of works righteousness. And uh, we'll explain here in just a minute here. Notice what it says in verse number 8. How be it then, when ye knew not God. Now let me just stop right there. Before we come to know Christ as Savior, in fact, anybody that doesn't know Christ as Savior, they don't know God. The Bible says it right there. They, they, we knew not God. Saul of Tarsus, he thought he knew God, didn't he? But he didn't know God. You think of all the religious people in the world. You know, I saw a representative of Omar, the, the, the Muslim, uh, the other day. I saw the video of her, and if this had been a Christian, the whole world would be crying for her head on a platter. But uh, she said how that her whole, the whole goal of every Muslim, she's talking to a Muslim conclave of people, and she said that uh, the goal of uh, every one of us we know is to create, to make all of America Muslim. That should scare people to death. As a Christian said uh, our goal is to make everyone Christian. By the way, it is, but we'd be branded for that. But she gets a pass for that. But uh, no Muslim is going to go to heaven. They all think they know God. But if they don't know Jesus Christ, they're on their way to hell. Now, the Bible's very clear. The Bible says, that when they knew not God, everyone that knows not God, there's only two types of people in the world. Those that are saved and those that are not saved. Those that know God and those that don't know God. And before you, we come to know salvation, the Redeemer, if we only have religion, we don't have God. So he reminds them, he says, how be it then, verse eight, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. These, these, Christians at Lystra and throughout Galatia, they, they thought they knew God once upon a time before they came to know Christ as Savior. And Paul reminds them, he didn't know God at all. And so he laments their transgression, trying to know God or please God instead of resting in the fact that they are known of God. You see, the next verse, in fact, let's go on to that, verse number nine, but now after that, ye have known God or rather are known of God. See, the question is not, do you know God? The question really is, do you, does God know you? Has, does, does he know you intimately? Have you been saved? Are you, are you in his family? Have you been blood-bought and blood-washed? Are you known of him? Everybody says they know God. Does God know you? And so uh, there, many, religion is trying to know God. There's a million ways of religion to try to know God million isms out there, whether it be Buddhism or Hinduism or, or uh, you name the ism. And, and, and it's people trying to know God in their own way. They're trying to come close to God of the works of righteousness. And uh, so Paul laments their, their regression. Verse number 8, back to that. He did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Paul Paul says he laments their transgression from the first fill in the blank from deliverance from deliverance back to superstition. What can wash away my sins? What's the answer? Where did you when did you receive your deliverance? When you started coming to church? When you uh, went to the twelve steps of AA or NA or went to uh, you started to reform your life? Is that when you started to know God? No. When, when did you start to come to know God? When God knew you, when you had that blood transfusion of that new birth in Jesus Christ. Many people are so deceived, they think that they're on their way to heaven because they have this desire to try to know God. You can't know God in the flesh. We don't know by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but of God. There must be a spiritual salvation from But they go back to their superstition. Not to make just a segue or an analogy. All of our acquaintance, first of all, with uh, with God begins with him. It's not again for the second or third time. It's not that we know God. It's rather that he knows us. We know him because we are known of him. But I want you to consider some examples of superstition. Paul says, don't go back to the superstition. Now I gotta be careful here, but I mean just it's Wednesday night, you can handle this. You know, Christians if we're not guilty, we get our good luck charms. We have our all of our ways that we stay close to God. Ladies, don't get mad at me, but there's jewelry. We got, and men, by the way, I see, I saw a man, I was in Boston last week, I'll make another illustration, I mean, it was an Italian guy, we were in the Italian district there, and uh, I mean, this guy had his shirt collar open, I mean, typical Italian 60-year-old guy trying to look like 30 years old, you know, he's got his shirt buttoned down, bun down here, and he had his big, massive cross, about this big, on his, he, that's his, his good luck charm. He's a Christian, I mean, he thinks he's a Christian, maybe he was a Christian, I don't know, but I, you know, we have our good luck charms. We think that we're going to stay safe because we, we, have, these, we have a cross. We light candles. We, have, we pray to saints. We, 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 I talked to somebody just recently uh, that their dead relative speaks to them. That's very common, by the way, that, or having people say that, that they believe that their dead relative, they got a connection with God, they know that God's there because their dead relative communicates with them. And you know, I see, you know, I see some folks kind of snickering and laughing a little bit, but hey, this is real life stuff. You know what it is? It's superstition. It's it's man-made, it's like, I know I'm right with God because I I I walk to God, I walk with God. I go to church, I, I have my icons, I have my paraphernalia, I have my Christian shirts, I have my my Christian dress, I have my 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 jewelry, uh, I'm I'm good with God, I got my crosses, I got I'm good with God. Paul says, No. He relents. You turn from these dumb idols. If you want a verse, it's 1 Corinthians twelve two. We won't turn there for time time, but for sake of time. But the Bible says that the the writer was discouraged because people were carried away by these dumb idols. You know that that again that cross in your car. And you're on your, your visor there. It's going to say keep you from getting an accident. The Lord will keep you from getting an accident. If he, if you, now if you're spent to get an accident, you're going to get an accident. <laughs> but uh, you know, don't, don't replace uh, superstitions, dumb idols, for the, the deliverance that comes from the true and living God. Then verse number 9 here, we've, it says, But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again... Turn again to the weak and beggarly elements. Paul laments their regression because they went from liberty back to bondage. They turned from the weak and beggarly elements. This is a new dispensation. We're in the age of, sometimes we call it the age of grace. We're not under the age of the law. There'll be some that want to put us back into the law that says that, 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 uh, and Paul says, why would you want to go back to that dispensation of darkness, bondage, and terror? You know, law keepers have a problem, because the Bible says in James 2.10, for whosoever should keep the whole law, and yet offend in how many points? He's guilty of what? Boy, that's a tough bill to fulfill. You know, when Moses got the law, I have to do this quickly, but remember he went up to Mount Sinai. And he was up there forty days. and Of course, what were the people doing? They were broke. The, they were breaking all kinds of commandments. And then Paul Moses comes down. He casts these, these uh, the the deck log down. He breaks them. Of course, he has to go back up the hill. And, but remember, when uh, he went up and he saw the face of God, but or he 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 meant with kind of glory. But God said, "Any." I'm paraphrasing in Exodus 19. If anybody touches the face of the mountain, they would what would be, happen to them? They'd be killed. You can't. The law demands perfect righteousness, perfect, and nobody's perfect for all have sinned. And to go back to this dispensation of in the weak and beggarly elements, go back to this. you this old dispensation. You're going back to bondage. You're going back to terror. But We live in a dispensation of light. Jesus is the light of the world. He's a freedom. He's a freedom giver. He's uh, if the sons. Therefore, make you free. You shall be free indeed. He's God is love. So we have light, liberty, and love in this new dispensation. We are accepted in the beloved. Uh, you know, and I'm, preachers are guilty of this many times. I've been guilty of it hundreds of times. No doubt about it. When. I, um, I, I want to step on your toes a little bit. I want to preach at you. I want to convict you, but I don't want to defeat you. I don't want to be guilty of saying, you're a bad Christian because you don't do this, this, and this, and this. I don't know if, uh, about you, but I don't need any more of that. I already know the Spirit of God's in my heart, and I already know when I, I 99 times out of 100, when I'm messing up or not doing what I should do, the Spirit of God reveals it to me. I don't need your help. No offense. God, God reveals it to me because I'm not only just a child of God, I'm a son of liberty, and I understand this. And so we see Paul re- regrets a regression from deliverance to superstition, from liberty back to bondage, and then also from, from power back to weakness. You say, how do you get that? Well, look at verse number 9 again. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? That word element is the word stoikion. We get our word "stoic" from, of course, it's one of the derivative words. The, the 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 rudiments of revealed truth, the elementary, the the foundational doctrines of of the Christian faith. You go back to the we stay we stay a baby. We stay a baby in Christ. We don't grow up, and we go from the we 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 stay and we stay with milk, and we don't go to strong meat. And we have a, we go from a lack of power to to weakness because we don't we don't grow. Well, last week again we went to the uh, took the whole day off on Thursday, got an early start, and we took, went to Boston with the Zavatskis. They wanted to take their kids to Fenway, of course. And so it's been several years since I, our church trip I was at Fenway the last time. But anyhow, we were on the subway, and uh, you know the subways are packed. I tell you what, it's ridiculous, you know. So. So I actually got a seat. They had a, the old man section for people was, you know, people like me that. And everybody else was standing pretty much, and I was me and some ladies were sitting. But anyhow, back to the story. So we had a couple couple stops before our get off, and all of a sudden, a guy just pipes up near the back of the, tr- and he says, "What happened 2019 years ago?" And everybody was quiet, and I said, "Jesus Christ came to the earth," and sure enough, he was. Uh, I didn't know. He was a street preacher. He began preaching. Just, I mean, he just began bellowing and preaching salvation by receiving Christ as your savior, and so forth. And oh, this lasted for about. He did, he did overall did a great job, actually. Uh, Pastor Rich and I were starting to amen the amen to guy, and he was preaching away. And it lasted for three or four minutes, and so our, our that's all we had. We got off the train, and uh, on the way out, we you know shook his hand. Amen, brother. And they gave us a gospel track. And, as and he said, the last words he said to me were, uh, keep holding on. And uh, I did kind of raised the red flag. What do you mean keep holding on? I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on to me. It found out they were disciples of Ray Comfort. I don't know. Anybody know who Ray Comfort is? Okay, now, Ray Comfort's got some good material, but Ray Comfort is the, I wish I would have kept the track as I, you know, we got it and we're on the way out. It was how to go to heaven, 10 ways to go to heaven. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, number one. I agreed to that one. Then they had two through nine. Live a holy life. Persevere to the end. It was another gospel, my friend. Uh, Pastor Rich and I were talking about it. It was so sad. Here were these guys with all this fire, and maybe they're doing it because they're, they're fearful that they're not, they're not holding on to the end if they don't do it. I don't know. But it's really sad. And they went back to the weak and beggary elements uh, thinking that keeping the law would get them to heaven. They, they, what they did was, and Pastor Rich preached on the cross Sunday, I wanted to say it was, it was such a great message. When you exchange your filthy rake's righteousness for Christ's righteousness, his royalty, his royal blood, that is, a, that is the biggest blasphemy, that's the biggest disservice you could ever do. You want to exchange his righteousness for your filthy righteousness? You want to go back to that? As if that can help him out? That's what Paul says. You're going back to these weak and pathetic, beggarly elements, thinking that's going to uh, gain you salvation and privilege and and, and, and uh, power with God. Nothing done, uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. Verse number 10, for time's sake, let's move on. You know, I want to spend a number of minutes on this. Hopefully we'll get it through. But he observed days and months and times and years. Now, let's turn, if we could, please, to... Uh, uh, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2 real quickly here. And let me give you the fill-in-the-blank word. Uh, they exchanged, they went back, they regressed from, they went from wealth back to poverty. From wealth back to poverty. See what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, you observed days and months and times and years. They went from the Savior, you'll catch what I'm saying here in a minute, to the Sabbath. I got a letter, let me do it real quickly here. I have to. I got a letter, about every six months or year I get a handwritten letter from somewhere out west. And I got a letter and I almost know it by the envelope, it's handwritten envelope and so forth, and I opened it up and it's from a, they, 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 don't, they don't give their address, they don't, they don't they give their name and so forth. Some do, some don't. But I looked at this letter and of course I'm a false preacher because I'm apostate because I'm teaching you people to come to worship the Lord on, on the first day of the week. And this letter is from a Seventh-day Adventist It's a letter that says that God, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that the Sabbath breaking is a Catholic, Roman Catholic doctrine according to them. And that us dumb Protestants, which I'm not a Protestant, but that's another story. That I just follow along blindly. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, I need a whole lesson to explain this here in detail. So I'm probably losing some of you here. But you observe days. The Bible says, I told you to turn to Colossians. Let me get there. Colossians chapter 3, and look at verse number, as soon as I get there, I'm still not there, Colossians 3, starting verse number uh, 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses when Jesus died on the cross, how many sins were did he, he die for? All of them, right? He said, the last time I remember, I'm being a little facetious, he said, it is finished. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all. How many of your sins did he die for? All your past ones, right? How about your present ones today? How about your future sins tomorrow? He died for them all, right? Okay. What did he blot out? Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which is contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to to his cross. He paid for all of our sins. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day. There it is or of this new moon, or of the Sabbath days. For time's sake, skip, skip down to verse number 18. Let no man beguile, beguile you or bewitch you or deceive you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding to those things which they have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. There's a, a lot of meat there. But these hypocrites that say, oh, we're saved by grace. But then you have to keep it by observing days and months and years or observing a certain set of rules and so forth. They go, you're going back from wealth, the wealth that's found in the, the cross of Calvary to poverty, observing, uh, uh, thinking that your works righteousness or your, your system of Christianity or your days that you observe are, makes you more of a godly Christian than others. In the New Testament, by the way, the believer. Found his, day, day, uh, found his rest in a day, that was Saturday, the Sabbath. But the New Testament, believers find our rest in Christ. Now, I used to say in earlier years, and I, I hope I'm not losing you, I and mean, we'll probably have to pick this up in a couple of weeks from now to explain this, because I don't want to lose you, but we don't believe, I used to talk about the Christian Sabbath and uh, being Sunday. Wrong, wrong semantics, wrong verbiage. Wrong We don't have a Christian Sabbath. We come together on the first day of the week, right? And uh, now we do, this is what we do. And I just want to, I don't know how much farther we're getting than this, but we have Sunday night services. I'm all for Sunday night services. And by the way, I appreciate everything that Pastor Rich said Sunday all day. was great. I mean, a fantastic preacher and so forth. And we're going to continue to have Sunday night services. Now, with that said, there are some good churches that don't have Sunday night services. Are we a better Christian because we have Sunday night services than they are? No, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's that's, no, that's works right. That's legalism. That's, we're, we're better than you are. Ha, 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 ha. You know, we're, we're talking about dress, whether we're talking about our system of, uh, of our order of service and so forth. Well, if you're right with God, you're going to have a Sunday night service. And all God's people said, don't say amen. Say oh me. <laughs> That's what we like to say. I'm all for Sunday night service, but sometimes it doesn't work in places. My brother-in-law doesn't have Sunday night services in, in New York City, and having been down there, I know why he doesn't have Sunday night services. By the time you get on that subway and get to church, it's an hour and a half one way, and by the time you get back on the subway and get home, and there's no way you want to fight that traffic two times, so they just stay for have lunch and afternoon service and so forth. That's how they do it. I just, I'm, I'm picking on purpose just in, we're going to end here in just a few minutes here. I am all for Wednesday night services. We're going to continue to have them. But who says you're not allowed to have a Tuesday night service or a Thursday night service? Or who says that you have to have a Wednesday night service? There's churches that are mixing things up, my friends. And I'm not their judge. I'm not telling, they, they could be right, they could be, they could be wrong. I don't know. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt have a Sunday morning service, a Sunday night service, 6, 6 p.m. Sunday night service, a Wednesday night service. It doesn't say that. And when we get the wrong attitude where we think that we're a little bit more superior than our brothers or sisters in Christ that don't do things exactly like we do, we've got a problem. We're entering into legalism. We're entering into, and uh, we're, we're free in Christ. I wanted to go to Romans chapter 14, and I think we'll... We'll maybe pick that up in a couple weeks here. Let me try to summarize this here. I know that uh, there's many Christians that consider themselves to be very godly Christians that they get a, a pet peeve of one sort or another. Well, if you're right with God, you do this. If you're not right with God, you don't do this. If you're right, church, you have this exact type of music. If you're not right, church, you, have this, you don't have this type of music. We become the qualifier and the judge, and the we become the the judge, jury, and executioner in many cases of other churches and other people because they don't do things like we don't we we, we do. Paul says, "Knock it off." That's Marty shot slang. He says, "You're wrong." He says, "Some observe days." Uh, I'll pick on just one more thing here, just real quickly. Uh, uh, Christmas. I like celebrating Christmas, so we celebrate Christmas. I know it's Christmas Mass. I know that. In case, for the record, there's a lot of paganism in Christmas. There's, there's no doubt about that. Easter is a lot of paganism in Easter. No doubt about that. But there's reasons why I still like to celebrate Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. There's, like, there's reasons I like to celebrate the first Advent. We usually call it Christmas. Now, there's good Christians that don't celebrate those. And you know what? God bless them. And I'm, I don't think they're any better than me or any worse than me. They just they choose to celebrate things, do things a little bit differently. That's called individual soul liberty. Let it be. Pardon me. I just, I I won't go there. I just had a funny thought here, but uh, I'll just leave you hanging on that one. Let it be. Let it be. Anyhow, never never, never mind. Back to the story here. Let me just just finish up here in one minute here, and you know what? I'm not going to finish here. I'm just going to say... Verse number ten here. Just look at it here, and we'll we'll summarize, and I think we'll pick this up in two weeks and continue on. Uh, Verse number eleven. Paul said, "I am afraid of you." Look, Paul said that. I didn't say it. Paul said it. I'm afraid of you. What is he afraid of? He's afraid that they went from liberty to legalism. He said, "I'm afraid of you," and then he says these words. that uh, lest I have bestowed upon you you labor in vain. Let me come back to one. I'm trying to bring bring the plane down on the little tarmac here, so we're almost there. But uh, I want you to come to Wednesday night prayer meeting. I want you to come. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to be here, not because I don't want you to feel bad if you can't make it. I don't want you to feel guilty if if you're too tired. I don't want you to feel guilty if you... You know, you just, uh, now sometimes I think we've got to push ourselves. Don't misunderstand me. But I want you to come because you want to come, not because you have to come. Not because you're not a good Christian if you don't. Um, pardon me, I mean, one specific illustration, Paul, I'm just thinking of you. I really, I'm thinking of Betty. Now, Betty would be mad at me right about now, but she'll get over it. So don't, just don't tell her. So. But uh, Betty has some serious fiscal issues going on, she never complains about it. I don't expect Betty to be here on Wednesday nights any longer. I just don't expect her to. Some of you, a couple of you are probably here tonight. You probably shouldn't be here tonight. I don't know. Maybe you should be home and, and getting sleeping. I get it. But we're not judging each other. We're, we're sons of God. We're sons of liberty. and uh, But we want to encourage each other. We want to challenge each other. So I'll, we use this Wednesday night to challenge a midweek refresher service. Uh, I'm glad you came. I hope you're glad that you came too. So let's conclude here, the whole conclusion of the whole matter. Paul feared the regression of sons of liberty reverting back to children of legalism. In Galatians 5.1, maybe the text verse, it says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us, what? Free. And be not entangled again, don't go back, to the yoke of bondage. I don't have to read my Bible tomorrow morning to be right with God. I get to read my Bible. I'm a son of God. I don't have to come to church on Sunday, I get to go to church. Uh, I don't have to uh, raise my family f- uh, for the Lord. I get to raise my family for the Lord. You see, there's a great, great difference in a child of God that's being made and a son of God that gets to. And I want you to mature to become a son of Christ that walks because you, you want to please him, not because you're afraid of him, but because you want to please him. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we know the song, I guess it could be written to children of God or sons of God, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Children need to be to obey their parents and children need to, young Christians need to obey and Lord, listen to their mentors and listen to you. Lord, this is a time when we need to grow up, become a son of liberty and do it not because we have to, but because Lord, it's beneficial and we understand that. So help us to walk with you this, this, this week, for the remainder of this week, we pray. bless us as we close out our service together, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's sing first and last verse of trust and obey.